walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump. I'm your host. The hardest part of the ring. Better known as Kyle. I'm trying to figure out a way to incorporate my name into that. Like, I could be like, oh, it's the KY to the LE, the hardest part of the RING, or something like that, you know? Uh, still workshopping it. Still, I'm literally fighting my cat as I'm doing all this, by the way. He's like, bought, he's like gnawing at my ankles because he's a needy fucking cocksucker. But tell you who isn't a cocksucker is these ring of honor wrestlers can you fuck off like literally he's like up in my lap with his claws in my penis while i'm trying to cut an intro uh where are we at ring of honor all-star extravaganza 2002 man oh man that's a mouthful uh but a great show nonetheless you know i was talking to my guest uh, and I, th- I think it's even in the recording. At the end, he asks me, uh, where does this show rank among uh, the ROH shows that I've covered so far? And I got to be honest, even now that I've had time to think about it, I'd put it in the top two or three. I think Honor Invades Boston is probably still my favorite just because it has such a unique atmosphere and it had like we talk about it in the podcast, but I thought Honor Invades Boston is still my favorite up to this point. But this one is it would, would probably would probably be number two or number three. But as far as like influence on the future, this one might be the top because we see um, lots of stuff happen in this show. Uh, for one, by the way, the debut of CM Punk and... We just covered the debut of Samoa Joe in the previous Ring of Honor episode of The Apron Bump. Now we got CM Punk. And anybody that knows anything about Ring of Honor knows the battles that those two have had over the years. But we're not quite there yet. We're still at a point where CM Punk is wrestling Michael Shane and shit. So, uh, But good to see him. Very interesting to see a young CM Punk. As I mean, it's it's... As always, it's, it's it's hilarious to see the young iterations of a lot of these guys that we see on this show, like Daniel Bryan, for example, AJ Styles, uh, Samoa Joe, as I mentioned earlier. You got Christopher Daniels, Mickey James. I mean, this show is chock full of Hall of Fame talent. 
legends in the business and just a great show from start to finish in my opinion and a lot of japanese presence on this show much like the previous couple shows they're really starting to lean into that that uh that japanese the international flavor to their shows how they kind of pull wrestlers from all over the world and major promotions all over in different continents and countries and they all kind of aggregate them into one area the murphy rec center the the acclaimed murphy rec center and uh, that's kind of what ring of honor becomes and that's what makes it so successful in the years years to come so cool to see the uh the early stages of that but um you got you got a lot of good wrestling on the show but you also got you know there's women's wrestling which at this point was very eye rolling uh, you got people getting stabbed. You know, it's just a lot. It's, it's a lot. So but let's just get right into it, shall we? Joining me on this episode is Dom from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. You might remember this podcast from them being a guest on my show a few months ago for my Progress Chapter 9 review. I had uh, Ross and Matt from the WSBF podcast on that episode, but now I have Dom, who was uh, I was told by whoever runs their Twitter that Dom is the guy for Ring of Honor talk. He's the expert, and boy howdy were they correct. He was an awesome guest on this show, really fun dude. Um, but you can find the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast at WSB Fun on Twitter or at Wrestling Should Be Fun. On Instagram, all of the info in the, the description, as always. Uh, but both their Twitter and Instagram are like low key the funniest accounts you could follow. So if you're not following them, get your ass on it and do it. Really, uh, really great follow on social media and a really great podcast as well. So go check their podcast out as well, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, always a great time with these guys. So let's get into it. Ring of Honor. All-Star Extravaganza 2002 with myself and Dom from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Ozzy, okay. I was like, you're not quite uh, no. not quite British. No, no. So I've, um, I've lived in the UK for, what, seven years now? So I've been here for quite a while and my, my girlfriend's British. But yeah, no. Okay. I, I, yeah, I'm from a proper bogan Australia, mate. I'm from Queen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you, this is a weird question. Do you ever watch Love Island? Mate, I, my girlfriend does. Uh, I don't. I don't watch it. Uh, don't pretend like you don't enjoy it. <laughs> it's okay. It's just me and you here. It's fine. I know that. Um, I reckon if I did watch it, I'd probably like it because I do like, like, you know, one of my favorite TV shows ever is like Survivor. Like, I love, I love reality. It's TV. the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you watch Big Brother at all? Are you? Yeah, I used to when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually like the same people that make it, and it's it's, it's fun to watch it with somebody to like make fun of everybody. Yeah, but it's it's the same kind of idea. But I, I mentioned it because I've seen the Australian version and the UK version, so I've, I've kind of learned that to discern between the two. Yeah, right. finally, I, I think <laughs> thirty years into my life, I could finally figure it out. From from what I can gather, I think the Australian one's quite racy, right? Com- racy, right? Like, as in, like, uh, it's more explicit. Right, yeah. it's harsh. I think the people are more slutty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, nothing wrong with that. Mate, nothing wrong with that. Big supporter of that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we got some of that in this show too, so. Yeah. Oh, don't, mate. Don't you worry. Oh. 
Man. Mate, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I just sort of watched... I, I started watching it yesterday and I finished it off today. And um, yeah. some of the stuff holds up well and some doesn't, right? It is, it is 2002, yeah, after yeah. all. Everybody, It's easy to make fun of like WWE and stuff, but we forget that other companies are doing the same thing. Yeah, big time. 100%. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, so you said you watched the show. Uh, what were your overall thoughts, just like generally, well, of the show? So, so I was a big Ring of Honor fan um, in in these yeah. early years, right? So, um, I mean, I'm I was you know used to be happily call myself a robot. Uh, I used to be on the message boards every day, um, just or right. yeah, just just loved it. But I I I guess over the last few years, I've really had like uh, an urge or. To, to go back and rewatch some stuff, but you can't because it's not on, you know, like ROH World or whatever. Some of the- right, yeah, it's weird that it's not. You would think they would just throw everything on there. You pay some yeah. money, 10, 10 bucks a month, whatever. I don't see why yeah. they don't. I don't know what. I don't know why. I actually, this is a weird one, but I actually messaged Marty School once, and I was like, when he, really? when he was working at Ring of Honor, um, and I was like, mate, what's the go with this? And he was like, yeah, we're trying to get it on. Like it's, it's going up bit by bit, but I think it's to do with like music rights and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, they do copyright a lot of music. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately on the link that we were watching it on, we yeah. were able to hear it all, but well, it, it's a funny one. Cause you, you sent me the link, which was cool. Um, but mm-hmm. I actually, I actually had the DVD of this show. Uh, do you really yeah so i, I got a, a friend of mine actually gave me all of his ring of honor dvds recently um because he's kind of fall, fallen out of love with wrestling and i was yeah, like yeah, yeah man i'll take them so i've just yeah so it was cool actually I, I started watching it on the link um and then i actually went and dig, dug out the dvd which kind of felt more authentic as well in a way so i felt yeah which right kind of cool but yeah so you, you mentioned about the show so like for me it was just like a real blast from the past and like Mm-hmm. Mate, the I guess my major takeaway overall was just look at look at this roster. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and we're we're just like revving up in Ring of Honor at this point, yeah. but already there's it's chock full of guys that are still going even today. Yeah, it's mate, it's 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 Hall of Fame like WWE roster. Like I and obviously I these are all my guys because like I said, I was a Ring of Honor guy. I was you yeah. know when when I was at university and stuff, I was probably. You know, I was one of those guys that, you know, WWE sucks. You know, I've, right, sort of, I've right. gone, I've probably gone full circle now and I'm a lot lot more uh, allowing of their product. But back then I was like, nah, WWE sucks. Ring of Honor is the only good wrestling, um, yeah. you know, and like I only listen to Radiohead, you know, that sort of thing. Right, Just yeah. bit, <laughs> that kind of guy. Yeah, a bit too, bit too cool for school, you know what I mean? But um, right. yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed the show. What did you think? Yeah, it was good. It was um, definitely these early shows are kind of like like the Murphy Rec Center. It's like tough to like ignore the weird atmosphere. But like they're starting to get guy like Smo Joe debuted at the last show. Yeah. We have CM Punk debuting on this show. And we got like tons of other guys. Um, I thought there were a lot of uh, really good matches on this show. I think the show flowed very well. That was one thing that kind of hindered some of the earlier earlier shows was it was just like match, match, match and it was kind of just had a weird flow to it. But I think they're starting to figure it out at this point, which I think they're like right at the end of 2002. Yeah. Yeah, it took cuz I everyone everyone says about the early and the first year of Ring of Honor that is super cards, right? And they mm-hmm. they even sort of made fun of it themselves with with like the super card of Honor show was like the name of one of their big shows of the year. Um yeah. But the first year, you could just see it was just, oh, we'll get all this indie talent in and we'll see what we can book. Um, Michael Shane versus Paul London, whatever. 
And then, yeah. but you can see here, they're actually starting to build storylines. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to, I'll let you lead the conversation because I don't want to jump around with like things that happen on the show out of order. Um, hey, please do. Feel free to jump whenever, whenever you yeah. feel need to. But like, you know, just an example, you can see that like they're developing Homicide's character for the first time. Um, right. On this show. Yes. I, th- I think not, I'm a little bit sketchy on what happens before and after, but I think this is around about the time that Homicide starts to. No, you're exactly right because he debuts as in the, the Natural Born Sinners tag yeah. team. That goofy jumpsuit, the, like the prison jumpsuit and the mask and the, the chainsaw the chick- coming out. And the out. chicken? Didn't they have like a rubber chicken? He got disqualified in a match because he hit his opponent with a rubber chicken. Yeah. And then he stabbed the referee uh, <laughs> for disqualifying. This sounds like a joke. That's the thing that happened. It was actually H.C. Loke, a member of the Carnage crew, that he stabbed. So Of course, the hard, hardcore referee. Hardcore of referee, H.C. Loke. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Can't get enough of him. Yeah. Um, but you said you had the DVD, so I'm curious. Was the dark match that occurred before the show on that DVD... Or was uh, it the exact same thing? It must have been. Because yeah, I, I, I looked the card up and it had Prince Nana versus Homicide opening it up. But that wasn't on the link no, that, that I, I watched it on. I didn't see that at all. You know, you, Sad. You mentioned the DVD and also just the way, like the, the show, the link that you sent was the exact same as the DVD. Okay. Um, something that is weird about these old Ring of Honor shows. And I probably, when I first watched Ring of Honor, I thought it was probably cool. But they have like, almost like a spoiler music video to open the show. Dude. I literally noted that like they, they've always had these these really terrible intro packages like yeah. I've talked about it before like the the PowerPoint Windows Media Player transition screen wipes and all that <laughs> but it, it was much more prominent in this show specifically they were they were giving away these huge moments huge spots. I like even like looked away because I was like, I don't want to see anything. Yeah. But I saw you like, uh, like the pile driver from the top rope. Mate, from 100%. The crew. That's what I was going to say too. I was like, mate, that's going to be the finish of their match. Why are you showing yeah. this? And like Joe's <laughs> Joe's big dive, like Joe hits a big twist and tope. And right, they showed yeah. that. And I'm like, that's going to be a high, high spot of the match as well. Why, why give that away? Yeah. Um, that's yeah. crazy. I, I suppose they, I guess they kind of, I guess they were kind of the mindset of, oh, well, um, we released the DVDs a couple of months after the show's been on. So mm-hmm. they're, probably, they're probably not that fussed about spoilers. I just want you to buy the DVD, right? Yeah, um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was I never, guess, yeah. even, when it was on, I was never any good at avoiding the spoilers. Like I'd always read the show results ahead of time anyway, so. Right. Yeah, I was even, even when I did see the spoilers, because I got, I got caught onto it a few years in, but I would still be able to enjoy it just because it was, it was so different than what WWE was doing that it didn't really matter Have you, a lot of times. Wait, I I don't know uh, if this is acceptable podcast uh, content, but I, where are you based? Like, have you been to Ring of Honor Live and stuff? I have not. So I'm from Norfolk, Virginia, and they've done shows in Manassas, Virginia, which is it's still like that's like four or five hours away. Um, maybe I'm, I'm actually pretty close to Philly. I'm probably like five hours away from Philly, so relatively close in driving distance. But I, it was, you know, I wasn't able to drive when I discovered. So yeah. it's not like I'm gonna, hey, I'm gonna walk to my parents. Like, hey, can I go to this indie wrestling show five hours away? I I love I love the way you say that. Um, people in the UK would have a meltdown when they hear, oh, five hours is pretty close. That's like five countries away, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> five, mate. Five hours, you're in Paris over here yeah so, yeah i hear i have friends that go on like honeymoons and shit and it's like yeah we started in paris then we went up to rome and then you know bing bang boom it's like yeah. what yeah it's yeah it's 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 just a different beast whereas like where i'm where i'm from in country australia like the nearest city's three hours away like you just 
you know, just used to it. You, sometimes you drive there and back in a day mm-hmm. twice. It's no problem. Right. Well, you see in my head as an American, you have Sydney and then you just have a bunch of desert with kangaroos around it. And that's all Australia uh, is. Yeah, that's pretty much it, mate. You're spot on. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty educated, if you can't tell. It's... Lots of Love Island. All, yeah. all seasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. But uh, speaking of love... I did not love this faction. No. So so the show opens up. <laughs> well, actually, it doesn't open up. But basically, to set the scene here as far as like where Ring of Honor is. So the Prophecy is the main faction of the show. So it's Christopher Daniels, Donovan Morgan, Samoa Joe, Xavier, and Simply Luscious. And they're pretty much running the show as far as titles go. Um, Xavier, the champion. You have Daniels and Morgan, the tag champions. Um Otherwise, that's like the overarching, like kind of main storyline going on is how they're trying to take it over and rebuild. Like they're against the code of honor. They're against shaking hands and all that, which is a solid storyline because it's not what fans want to see. They want to see something different. And the prophecy is almost like trying to keep that WWE mentality a little bit. Um, So I do like that aspect of it. But uh, also in the show, like I mentioned before, we get CM Punk making his debut. Uh, Samoa Joe, we're still fresh off of his debut from the last uh, month. And then, uh, you know, you got AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, tons of other guys on, on this show. Um, but also a big thing, a big theme in this show and shows around this time is their uh, relationship with Japan. Um, in the main event, we see it's a, I think they phrase it as a zero one uh, attraction Sh- match. Showcase. Showcase, yeah. something like that. Um, you have various like zero one, New Japan, uh, different Japan promotions all throughout the show. Um, a lot of gaijin, so like Samoa Joe is wrestling in Japan, low-key, guys like that. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that that would be a big aspect of Ring of Honor. What made them so good is their relationship with Japan. Especially like J- Joe and, uh, who is it, Kenta Kobashi, like classic matches like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. A few, yeah, a few years down the track. So like there was a period, and I guess at the time it was Noah. Um, yeah. but the, they got all the big Noah stars in. So that included Kobashi, mm-hmm. uh, Masawa eventually came in and then there were people like Takeshi Morishima was their world champion. Right. Um, I hope that no one's listening has been like, oh damn, spoilers from 15 <laughs> years ago. Uh, and then also people like Kenta, uh, yes. Hideo Itami, if you're a WWE Hideo person. Itami, of course. And, uh, Marafuji as well. So, yeah. So that, I mean, that was like the real sweet, sp- I, I think that's probably the peak of ring of honor in my mind but yeah I might, as, as far as storytelling and match quality is probably the peak it might not be when they made the most money though but um yeah morishima as champion is when i came in so i that's yeah, for yeah. some reason that hooked me in it was basically japanese walter so yeah i loved i love morishima because it made me feel like i could be world champion right <laughs> he's he's just he's just a big dude like I, yeah i like it yeah but you're not gonna tell that to his face <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not did, absolutely didn't not. he knock out brian danielson's eye at one point or something like that yeah detached his retina right Man. yeah that 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 was actually really scary like people were worried that right dragon wasn't going to get his sight back yeah yeah i remember yeah i don't know why i remember it so specifically but i remember him cutting a promo like right after that he was like oh i might have to retire for for this i don't know if i can go anymore and here he is still wrestling what 15 yeah. years later so main, main, main event in wrestlemania yeah you know so, casually like, it, 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 worked out okay for him in the end yeah i would say so um but the show gets underway opens up with steve carino uh he's walking he's in the backstage area locker room runs into low key tells him that uh roh management wants them to uh uh, compete in a zero one showcase 
against uh, Masato Tanaka and Otani. And Loki's like, yeah, sure, I'd be honored, whatever. But so there's a whole thing. I don't know if you remember where Loki and Steve Carino were a tag team, not like an official tag team, but they tagged together in the previous show. This is when CZW invaded for the first time. They were basically defending Ring of Honor. Uh, then there was like miscommunication. And I think Carino accidentally like forearmed Loki or something. So he's still pissed about that. Or uh, sorry, not Loki, Homicide. Carino, homicide, Carino, right. Carino and Homicide were tagging. Um, homicide's back there as all this is going on, by the way. Um, so Carino and Homicide are upset with each other. Um, they're arguing. They're getting each other's face. They're comparing careers and all that. But it takes a, it escalates quickly at the end of the show. I don't want to get into it. But uh, man, it, yeah, they're, they're very upset, especially Homicide. Yeah. If you don't believe me, just wait till the end of the show. Um, but then I would go into the video package. Just as shitty as always. That their their roster is growing, but their uh, production skills are not. Nah, mate. And it's always got that. And it used to people used to make fun of it all the time. But that like terrible techno. Oomch, 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 the, oomch, oomch, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oots, 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 oots. It's like I feel like Spe- half the roster K. uses it as their <laughs> entrance music too. Yeah, Special K for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of Special K, they are included in this opening match. So we have a four way scramble. Tag team match. It's a, it's scramble because it means there's no tags, I guess. It's kind of becoming their thing at this point. Um, so we have yeah. the Hit Squad versus Divine Storm, the team of uh, Chris Divine and Quiet Storm, versus SAT, the Maximo Brothers, versus Special K, the team of Dixie and Joey Matthews. So Joey Matthews is a new member of this faction, and I guess it's because he likes drugs. Yep, it seems that way. the impression I got from this. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody unaware, Joey Matthews is Joey Mercury. So we're getting a little insight to his early career. Um, yeah. And so I think I think how it came about is that they brought in Matthews with his ECW tag. Christian York. Christian York. Yep. Uh, but I think York got injured. So they were like, oh, you know, Matthews is too good a wrestler to not have him do something. So yeah. we'll throw him in with the drug kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is, which is interesting, obviously, because if you know sort of Matthew slash Mercury's story, I think he um, he did have some substance abuse problems later yeah. in his career. Maybe a reality, but, pain, life, or whatever the phrase is. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But I mean, who who hasn't had some troubles over the years? So, hey, you know, you know. You know I, I'm, I'm not here throwing stones. <laughs> um, I... Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I like... I, you know, mentioned Special K straight off the, the front foot, mate. I... I always really thought it was quite clever, the Special K gimmick, just to put the green kids in there. And then yeah. they always had a fallback. If anyone botched a move, they could always be like, oh, that's that's what happens when you messed up on right. MDMA. Oh, wow, I've never even thought about that, but that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm sure like, it, it didn't happen on this show, but I was waiting for it. Like, any, it used to happen quite a lot. Yeah. Um, we got, because obviously on this show, we've got the, uh, it's definitely Gabe Sapolsky on commentary, um, and he's called they they call him Chris Lovey. Okay, at the time. right, right. And the other the other guy was Jeff something who wasn't a was, main star. Was Gabe was he the color guy or the play by play? Because there was one guy that was irritating the fuck out of me. It was like the, the, the higher pitched voice guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. That's that's definitely Gabe. So it's funny. Like I do like the first thing I wrote down here. Like my first. I didn't make too many notes on the show, but one thing that stood out to me was 
in my mind, I always thought that Gabe was a good commentator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was watching this show back and I was like, oh man, I was just wrong. He is yeah. actually horrendous. Um, and I don't like putting the boots into commentary too much because it is really hard to do. And I get that. Right. Um, and I think it's a thing that all wrestling fans, everyone thinks they could do it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, all wrestling fans are like, oh, I could do that. And admit, But still, yeah, Gabe, he, maybe he gets better over time. But uh, he, I've noticed that like, what what he he really labors to tell stories in his in his commentary because obviously he's the booker mm-hmm. and he's like oh how am, and he's like mate just just uh, just lay out and let the story tell itself in exactly. the ring exactly he he's he's you terrified of dead air I think is the problem That's, yeah spot on yeah got it exactly spot on and it it was even worse because before it was Gabe and Steve Carino on commentary and Steve Carino was kind of the same way so it was just constant yelling and they're just all, always talking and always yelling and they're they're out of breath halfway through the show it's like man you're making me tired just yeah. listening to you guys yeah exactly and exactly. yeah understandable you want to get the stories over um was a bit heavy-handed with like this isn't sports entertainment this is real rest like we get it man you don't have yeah. to say it after every snap mirror that we yeah. see in the show you know and just and like stuff like the 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 big trope was always you can't understand this atmosphere unless you buy a ticket and come to Ring of Honor lot. It's like, mate, all right, I've bought the DVD. Stop trying to sell it. <laughs> they, <laughs> they were saying, I think he said there was five hundred people in the audience, but yeah, maybe uh, outside, <laughs> maybe they turned away <laughs> some people. It's certainly, it's it was funny. The fans, there were a couple of like the. I do air quotations. The famous fans. There was a. I saw Green Lantern fan was in the front row. Oh man, uh, he was a he he was a heavy hitter on the Ring of Honor message boards back in the day. I remember. <laughs> um, and I'm sure Hat Guy from ECW was there as well. Yeah, you're getting uh, deep. To, yeah, That's some deep yeah. cuts. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm a Ring of Honor nerd, man. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, that, I guess that first match, like I, there were just a couple of things that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really expecting. So I can't. I guess it's. I think it's Divine, who was sort of known as like inventing all these moves, mm. uh, kind of like a Chris Canyon style of character. Yeah. And he does um, what he called the spinal shock, and I was just waiting for the line on commentary, but it never came because I remember. My memory was they used to always like call out Victoria because it was Victoria's finish. I think she called it the, the widow's peak. peak or something. Yep. Yeah. And they used to always sound commentary. Oh, you know, Victoria can steal that as much as she wants on Mondays. <laughs> this is the, you know, the inventor. Uh, and I was waiting for it, but it didn't come. But yeah, so that stood out to me. No, no Victoria shout out. Right. What um, a shame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I liked, uh, obviously, just a couple of cool things in the match. SAT hit the Spanish fly. Oh, that's, what, that's what everybody just, comes to see. I think that that was yeah, the Canadian man. destroyer back in the day. It's like the move that everybody was like waiting for. And it always ended and, a match. And everyone, like now nowadays, everyone does it, right? Right. But I think it's important. It's cool that it's still called the Spanish fly because mm-hmm. they invented it. The SAT, the Spanish announce team. And that's why it's called that. Right. And it's, I think it, I, I think... I always sort of, I'm like, when I see the Spanish, I'm like, oh, it's good that it's still called the Spanish fly. Shout out to the boys, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, jo- Joel and Jose. What I like about it in this match, though, is when they hit it, they sell their stomachs. Yes. Like, like it. I'm like, oh, people don't sell offensive moves enough. Mm-hmm. 
like to show that it's actual impact. Right. Um, that was cool. And my favorite, my favorite part of the match was the uh, the fire thunder driver off the second Ooh. rope from Monster, Monster Mac. Monster Mac, yep. That was God. rude. Dude, some of the stuff these guys were doing, like this match. So this this opening match in, in, in this era, it's like a common theme. They'll start off with a, just a crazy scramble of a tag match so that everybody could just show off their fancy moves. And today I feel like it would kind of people would roll their eyes at it just because it's very spotty. But back in the day, people were eating it up because, like I said, this is something you're not seeing this kind of stuff anywhere else. Never have no. maybe in like Japan or other places. But in America, for sure, ne- you're not seeing this anywhere else. Um, and yeah. Lots of stuff. Very innovative. Like, I'm glad you brought like the, the, the backbreaker that Victoria did and the Spanish fly today in 2021. That seems pretty fairly commonplace. But in 2002, these were like completely like out of off the wall moves that you have never even thought of, much less seen. Um, and and if you if you ask any of like the big high flyers now, like your mm-hmm. ricochets or your Will Ospreys, I'm sure I don't. I mean, I'm I speak for them, which I will. But um, <laughs> I think if you if you ask them, they'd say, "Oh yeah, my inspirations were these guys, yep. like Amazing Red, SATs, whoever it might be." So. Um, it, it's it what it was just yeah like you said you have to remember this was so cutting edge and innovative at the time right yeah and i i almost feel bad because like in the first couple shows that i reviewed you had a lot of these guys and it just felt like a bunch of indie garbage in front of me and there's like a lot of botches and stuff but over time these guys are improving like as i'm watching this like sat is amazing they're they're a great tag team uh even divine storm even though they're kind of like indescript kind of guys like they're doing really innovative stuff um the hit squad is just like these big samoan dudes that hit like they're so fun to watch even though it's probably a pain in the ass to wrestle them uh pain (laughs) pain in the everywhere really as as you described from that that fire fire thunder driver from the second rope um just the clotheslines i mean this this match is chaos everybody's diving everywhere there's these crazy suplexes and pile drivers all over the place um i did like the spot where sat uh, one of them had Quiet Storm, and he gave him a German suplex. And then the other Maximo would come around the corner and give him another German suplex, and they did it like all four sides of the ring. Like simple stuff yeah. like that is just so fun. Like you don't really see that kind of stuff nowadays. And then they yeah. did the uh, the classic, you know, opposite corner like like RVD and Sabu would do, or the Hardys would do, where each guy gets on the opposite corner. Um, but they did a splash moonsault combo that looked beautiful like they're so like such a thin margin for error but they're they're just so good they made it look beautiful um and like you said the finish comes with the uh double spanish fly onto dixie for the win so sat gets the win here i don't know if there's really any stakes to this match but i assume that they they put some uh close to a tag uh trophy shot at this point yeah they and they and they were they were the over team they seemed to win all these scrambles Right, that like you said, the Spanish fly is what people came to see, and it finished matches. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Um, got the crowd hot, which is what it's there to do. So no complaints at all. Everybody shakes hands and hugs after, um, kind of embracing that cone of honor philosophy, which is kind of what was their foundation for years to come. So, um, good shit there. So after that, cuts the backstage with the prophecy. So what are your thoughts on the prophecy? I kind of laid out the faction or earlier in the show but what, what, what's your thought on this faction here well i i wrote down on my sheet here i was like what is what was more 2002 
the fact that um, the SAT were using Limp Biscuit like, for their <laughs> entrance music. Yeah. Or the or then it cuts to backstage and Samoa Joe's got bleach blonde. He hair looks like such a one of those. like he's not he's not threatening at all. For I know he would kick my ass, but like he looks just like a little kid yeah. with the blonde hair and the bangs yeah. and the the Buka shell necklace or whatever. Yeah, bookish. Yeah, I I wouldn't know what to call it. I was gonna try to explain or hookah what shell, whatever, whatever like, you call is, it. It's what it's what everybody was yeah. wearing in two thousand two. <laughs> All the boy bands. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, mate, this is the most two thousand and two thing I've ever seen from Samoa Joe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like, but if yeah, if you didn't know he was a badass, he just looks like a lovely, like yeah. you know, I. Yeah, just like baby-faced assassin, I suppose you'd say. Right. So that that was a funny thing. But the cool thing about the prophecy at this time, I think, is that you can see they're planting seeds with Samoa Joe and Steve Carino mm-hmm. because like, they, they work towards... I'm sure that it's not long after this where there's the prophecy have the feud with... Uh, it's actually Steve Carino's group. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was the name of the faction, the group. <laughs> um, be, because like... So, like, obviously, Joe, he does uphold uphold the code of honor. And mm-hmm. he, he's like, mate, you can, I'm in the prophecy because you pay me. It's not because I agree with you. Right. Um, so I think they do a good job uh, in, like, just throughout the show to show that and to lay some seeds for what's going to happen in the future. Um, and, and then later on in the show, uh, Samoa Joe actually accompanies Steve Carino to the ring as he's second, right. even though he's a member of the prophecy. So there's a few little seeds there. So that's what I that's what I thought was interesting with the prophecy. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm actually interested to see where this goes. Um, it, it's the one thing that made me be like, oh, okay. There's something to be told for the next show here. Mm-hmm. I let's see if I've got that DVD, you know, of final battle or whatever the next show is going to be. Yeah. Um, the actual promo itself backstage, I think Samoa Joe is still learning his craft. Uh, he yeah. probably went a bit over the top with the his. Yeah, I, was about that, I, I made that note too. His facials, yeah. like good or bad, whatever, it made me laugh my ass off. Just he's just like sitting there, yeah. like, laugh like Chris, like Christopher yeah. Daniels is so serious. He has his his preacher garb all and his tie and his yeah. you know Xavier has his title and he's flexing and everybody's looking all mean and you have just Samoa Joe and his his t shirt and his blonde hair just, just trying not to laugh. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> And and like when yeah Xavier's talking trying to say that he's the best and Joe's in the background just shaking his head he's like you mate you're not, are you definitely not the best are you sure yeah <laughs> that type of thing yeah so I was completely over the top but you know what it told a story it it's fine right yeah. like I I've got no problem with it like I say people are learning their craft and that's what they did in Ring of Honor mm-hmm. like they did innovate in in ring action and stuff like that but it's also a place where all these guys got better and and learned for sure. Um, Oh, and the last thing I forgot to mention was also Simply Luscious as well. She's obviously uh, real life Steve Carino's girlfriend at this time. Oh, is it real life? Uh, I was never sure. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, So I think that when... I actually had to Google it to check. Oh, um, (laughs) I'll never steer you wrong. So she's... Yeah. So you can can see where they're going to you know plant these seeds yeah. for steve carino versus prophecy in the future and joe and simply luscious jump ship in in the future right yeah just yeah so, joe's joe's yeah, a ticking t- really joe's cool. a ticking time bomb at this point because he's just a matter of you know i don't know how long it is but then he has that crazy what two year long title reign and he just dominates yeah. ring of honor but he's just just getting started at this yeah. point um yeah and he beat so and it's xavier that he wins the belt from is so it? it's not far yeah i, I figured only, only a few yeah yeah um yeah. Only a few months in the future. <laughs> you brought up simply luscious. I think it was funny that she brought up a uh, a poll she won 
on ROHwrestling.com or whatever it was. It was like, who's the most beautiful woman in Ring of Honor? And there's literally like, it's those two. Plus yeah. Trinity, I guess. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't look at the poll. I don't know who was factored in it, but apparently Simply Lust just won. And I guess that's the... Uh, it's the basis for their match later on, you'd, which you'd have to you'd have to wonder how much um, how much web traffic Ring of Honor Wrestling dot com was getting at the time. Like I don't know, I have yeah. no idea. Would, would it be a lot? Because it's like the internet fans are the ones watching this, right? So it's like, yeah, I guess who knows? So. I can't. You can't imagine there are that many people voting in that. Surely, I can't. It's probably Steve Carino and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mace. Yeah. You know, but and uh, a couple of and Green Lantern fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's voting five times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we have pretty much a third of the show in this next match it is the Ring of Honor number one contendership trophy gauntlet match. So we have, uh, is it six? No, it's five. Five people in this match. Michael Shane, CM Punk, American Dragon, Amazing Red, and Paul London. Um, so like I said, this match, I mean, it was about 45 minutes long or so, but I mean, it's a gauntlet match, so can't be too surprised. Um, I'm, I'm curious though. What, what are your thoughts on gauntlet matches in general? Well, I thought this one was really weird because they announced that AJ Styles was in it at the start and, right. and you said five or six and I'm the same. I'm still confused because what happens is the winner of this gauntlet match with those five people you mentioned then ends up just facing AJ Styles in a straight up singles match about an hour yeah. later in the show. So like you can't say, like, I mean, I'm just, if I was, and I, I guess we can talk about who wins it eventually. So, um, but if, if I was American dragon and I'm like, Oh, now I've got to wait an hour to fight a fresh AJ Styles for this, uh, number one contender trophy, right. I'd be fuming in kayfabe terms yeah because like what did aj Styles? because you know spoiler aj styles is the last person in this gauntlet but he doesn't because they have the finals of this gauntlet in the second half of the show so like you said there's like an hour or so in between so it's like why not just have daniel bryan or or brian danielson versus aj styles why not just have that a standalone match in the main event and call it for the number one contender you know what i mean like why wait and then have like michael shane versus cm punk in a separate match have Paul yeah. London, you know, an amazing red in a separate match or right. even make it like a, like a tournament, like a single elimination tournament or something. You could, there's so many other things you could do, but I feel like a gauntlet match was kind of an unnecessary layer to it. Gauntlet matches. Uh, I think in general, you sort of, I, I don't think this one served its purpose because the reason that gauntlet matches work is if you want to take like an Iron Man style wrestler and mm-hmm. get them over as an Iron Man style wrestler. It, Kofi Kingston. I think Seth Rollins did it on Raw. Yeah. Maybe a couple of years ago we went over yeah, an yeah, hour. Did. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's that's a great purpose for a gauntlet match. Like building uh, building someone's, uh, I guess, gas tank and showing, oh, this is our Iron right. Man. But in this sense, it was almost like, like you said, it was just like, oh, we want to try to tell four stories at once because... They start off, the story in the first match is CM Punk's debuting. This is the best guy from Chicago. We've got him in um, mm-hmm. against Michael Shane, who's actually genuinely Ring of Honor's sort of best heel um, in, yeah. the, in the first year. And Shane, what did he do? He grabbed the ropes or something to pin Punk. He cheated somehow. Yeah, he did. Like uh, They were trading roll-ups, and then Michael Shane got on top at some point and grabbed the ropes for the, yeah, the pin for, out of nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... I just thought it was so weird to me though, because I know like CM Punk then takes the mantle pretty soon after this as the heel. 
Um, so it was weird for me watching CM Punk work babyface and um, right. doing more athletic moves and stuff. He, he did that. He he did like an old school rope walk, didn't he? Which was kind of cool. I can't yeah, the uh, old school, old school, yeah. but instead of just like a like a forearm, he did like a leg drop onto Michael Shane's leg, which looked really good. Yeah, I I can't remember CM Punk do that or you know he probably did it loads of times but i can't remember he broke out some stuff that i've never seen him use before like he did a split-legged moonsault at one yeah. point yeah he split-legged moonsault he used to I, I i don't think he did it here but he used to always use a shining wizard a lot too right um, yeah which which are things that were sort of ring of honor punk but we never get we never got to see him in wwe was was that his finisher at this point or was he using the gts at this point i he definitely he, oh, no. he used the pepsi plunge Pepsi plunge was his finisher. That's right. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. Sure. But even the Pepsi plunge, like I mean, it's a top rope pedigree. Like he he couldn't do it all the time. So he used yeah. to use the wizard. He used to use the anaconda device as well, like to finish people off. Right. Yeah. But yeah, CM Punk versus Michael Shane, the first match in this gauntlet, and honestly, like I was a bit underwhelmed by this this first match. To be honest, I don't know if it's just because of like the juxtaposition from like the first match and how crazy and fast paced it was. And now we have this match, CM Punk and Michael Shane, which are like two very methodical, like, like quote unquote, traditional style wrestlers, a lot of like, you know, chain wrestling and headlocks and stuff. Um, the crowd was, you know, that they, they loved CM Punk. I mean, CM Punk could have just dropped his pants down and took a shit in the middle of the ring and they would have cheered (laughs) for it. Like you could, you could have done anything, but, um, it was definitely a slower pace than uh, pretty much everything else on this card, I think. Yeah. And then um, it was, I, I just think I always, I never really got into Michael Shane just as a general. Rule. I, I, I want to like him. Cause I can, I can see that he's a great heel. Like I can see yeah. it's like, cause you know, you hear it from the pros all the time is like, it, it's good to slow down. You know, it's yeah. good not to rush. That's what a lot of people do when they start wrestling is they rush. They try to do too much too fast. Whenever I watch Michael Shane, it's like, I think this guy just took that to heart too much. And it's like, he's like too slow almost. And he, and sometimes like, I guess the criticism of him as well was like, are you, are you Michael Shane or are you just Shawn Michaels cousin? Cause he, he, you could just see he, he never broke out past that of just everyone saying, Oh, this is Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. This is the next Shawn Michaels. And he, like you say, takes it to heart too much. I think. Um, you could just see, I'm like, when you're watching him, it's like, mate, you're at the very best, you are Shawn Michaels light. And I right. think, I think he would have been better served and obviously fantastic wrestling. I'm not here throwing stones. You know, we're from, yeah, I'm yeah. from wrestling should be fun. So, you know, we try to be positive, but it is, you know, it's almost like he, um, I think he needed to figure out who Michael Shane was rather than mm-hmm. just who Shawn Michaels cousin was in, in, yeah, in because- some forms. I review shows from TNA in 2005 as well. And he's, he's, that's where he is at that point. And he's still doing pretty much the exact same thing. Like he's, Hey, look, who's uh cousin is mine. And he's yeah. doing, you know, he has a lot of the same mannerisms, a lot of this like similar hair and stuff. His name's similar. He does the elbow, the super kick. Like if he, you know, like you said, if he carved his own path and made himself Michael Shane and not, mini Shawn Michaels I think he could have had more success but unfortunately that's just a shadow that you're never gonna overcome yeah exactly yeah but uh yeah so the match like like we said CM Punk is his debut he's breaking out a lot of he does like a a springboard crossbody from the top rope 
gets caught with a super kick from Michael Shane, which looked really good. Um, after that, Michael Shane goes for the pitcher perfect elbow, but misses, uh, which allows Punk to hit the shining wizard, which I thought would be the finish, but it was only a two count. Then they trade roll ups. Kind of brought this up earlier. They kind of jostle. They trade roll ups, but Michael Shane is able to get on top of Punk and he holds on to the ropes for leverage and it gets the pinfall. Um, so Michael Shane moves on in the gauntlet. It's kind of like an anticlimactic debut for CM Punk, I think. Just have him yeah. lose like that. Yeah, it, it, it is strange. Um, and it's clear that they just wanted to do London and Shane again. You know, if it's worked before, so why not just yeah. keep doing it until it doesn't work, I guess, is their mentality. Rinse, rinse repeat. Yep. So uh, Paul London comes out as the next competitor. Um, and they have a pretty solid match. You know, it's not at, quite as good as uh, previous matches they've had, but it's it's solid. Um they fight to the outside in the beginning, and there's some gnarly bumps on the outside. Like Michael Shane whips Paul London into the barricade, and the barricade just explodes. Like <laughs> the, I, I've talked about these these steel like guardrails before that Ring of Honor had at this point. What's even the purpose? Like they're it's, not. <laughs> yeah, no. they they are just there, like you said, to explode. They're like they're made of like chicken wire. Like, they're not weighed down with anything. They're not in no. in the ground. They're just there. Yeah, you know. and and there's just so many famous moments in the early days where just wrestlers just got messed up, like just yeah. flying through them, falling on them. Yeah, it's really, really like, did yeah. more harm than good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But they're they're out there fighting on the the basketball court, and you have like Michael Shane giving Paul London a brainbuster out there. You have all all sorts of crazy shit happening on, on the outside. Uh, but uh, eventually they get back in the ring. Michael Shane hits a power. This the spot made me laugh. Michael Shane hits a power bomb, and then was it a Boston Crab he was going for? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like he was holding him vertical, but yeah. it, he was acting like it was a submission. Is like, do you, do you know the concept of a Boston Crab and why it would hurt? Yeah, like what? Yeah, what what are you what are you going for here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's just kind of holding his legs. It's up one there. of the, one of those ones, and I I've mentioned it before. Um, you know, someone who doesn't watch wrestling. There's sometimes when you have to try to explain which wrestler's being hurt in a move yeah. to people that, because obviously we, you know, we grew up with wrestling or whatever. So we, we just, you know, you just know what's happening, but yeah. So that, that was definitely an example of that. Like what's going on here? Who's, who's yeah. being hurt? Like, yeah. But then, uh, so later in the match towards the end, uh, Michael Shane hits a gut buster on the Paul London and then commentary back to the commentary. He's like, I think it's Chris Levy. Or Gabe Spolsky, whoever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, I think London London landed funny on his ribs there. And I was like, yeah, I think that was the intent of the move. I yeah. think was <laughs> make, him, make his ribs hurt. <laughs> yeah, a rib breaker. I think that was that was the idea. Um, yeah. But the the idea here is that London is uh, playing possum, like he's for real injured, and then he's able to catch Michael Shane with a DDT out of nowhere. And rolls him up for the quick win. And that plays into the story of how Michael Shane beat Paul London a few months ago by playing possum with a roll-up. So kind of a, a one-upping of Michael Shane here. Yeah. Which I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, it's good. It's storytelling between the shows as well. And yeah. But then Shane um, gets on the microphone afterwards, doesn't he? And he's like, oh. He does. How, how dare you, uh, you know, sort of take a shortcut. And mm-hmm. obviously this is one of the times when the commentary really tried to tell the story 
like too yeah. hard when it's like mate we know we get it like Michael Shane used the rope to beat CM Punk and then he got caught by Paul London doing a similar type of thing um, yeah. and you just you didn't need to explain it like so obviously to the audience like one it, mention people, could have sufficed like I understand yeah. if you want to bring it up for people if they just buy this DVD you know without yeah. seeing the previous ones I get it but they like you said it was very heavy handed the way they yeah. did it and this is where so and then so what what happens? Michael Shane, he sort of like refuses to leave. So he uh so Paul London, as per the code of honor, tries to shake Michael Shane's hand, but Michael Shane will not shake his hand because of what you mentioned, how he, he won in a cheap way like that. He's like, I'm not gonna shake your hand, I would never win like that. Um but then somebody comes out to make Michael Shane shake his hand. I would never have guessed. Tommy Dreamer it just, comes out. It just makes perfect sense. Yeah, but when you think about it, it does. I mean, they're in Philly. What the fuck is yeah. is Tommy Dreamer? Is he with the WWE at this point? I'm not sure. I think it's mate. I was thinking about that too. So I was doing the timeline in my mind, and I'm like, he must have been still there because the invasion was 2001. Correct. Um, and, and then Dreamer. So I'm, I'm thinking 2002. This must have been when Dreamer was doing all that like weird, gross out stuff on WWE TV, right? Around about. Yeah. Um. It, it, that must because like you know when he. Do you know what I'm talking about, right? When he's like drinking toilet water and like he eats the Undertaker's. What's up? He like he like. No, tell eats... me about it. No, all right. Yeah, so like Tommy Dreamer on Raw, like he did this gimmick where he was like he he just does gross things, and mm-hmm. like people are like paying him money. People are like, oh, I'll give you twenty bucks if you like eat garbage, <laughs> and he just what do a it. gimmick. Yeah, but one of the but like the the famous one, and he said like the worst thing that he had to do was like Undertaker used to have chewing tobacco. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, what do you call it in America? Is it dip or something? Dip. Dip, dip. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's like, and then he spits it out and they made Tommy Dreamer eat it. <laughs> You're fucking with me. This is it. No, happen. no, legit. Legit. Yeah, oh, yeah, Oh, yeah. my God. See, 2002 WWE is like a lost era for me because I wasn't watching in that year. So there's like little things that people will say. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, well, I mean, yeah, and that's that's why I was, you know, brought over to Ring of Honor and why I love this shit. So, you, so Tommy Dreamer drinking dip spit wasn't uh, enough to keep you on uh, <laughs> TNN or whatever channel they were on at the time. I um, but I, I mean, I still watched it. I just didn't like it. But uh, the yeah, so I, I imagine that Dreamer was still under WWE contract. Um, there might be someone listening yeah. to this that has a because there knowledge. was a period. I know he was wasn't he like winning the hardcore title and stuff like that. And yeah, I think he was he was there like during the brand extension, right? Because he was on Raw, I think. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he, this he was it, around. Yeah. He was around for a long time because then he went and worked at OVW as a coach and stuff. I think. Um, mm. he. I mean, he was under contract there for a long time. I'm sure he was. So maybe um, he just they, didn't say anything and just banked on <laughs> nobody watching this DVD. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I, you know what though, WWE. It's funny. Like if they, I think in this time they allowed people to go and and you do know, some indie stuff. If they now if that I think about it, yeah, there there was overlap with Eddie Guerrero as well because there was a period where he was Intercontinental Champion in WWE, but he also wrestled in ring of honor he wrestled like one more match for ring of honor as he was champion so yeah. they were probably fine because they weren't threatened by ring of honor or anything so it was like yeah you yeah. go wrestle for these nerds in this basketball court and i think they've always and obviously over time wwe did 
gain respect for Ring of Honor because it became almost yeah. like a, a little bit of a feeder system to them. Like they they cleaned it out eventually. I mean, look at their um, roster now. It's pretty much Ring of Honor 2006. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, so, and I'd like the other example I think of like that probably just proves the point is like Jerry Lawler. I mean, he's always wrestled his own Memphis indie shows, hasn't he? His whole career. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think as long as it's not going to like ruin your TV storyline or character, I think WWE have always been okay about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I imagine that they probably didn't want Tommy Dreamer to come and start taking bumps. You know, they're probably just like, yeah, go do an appearance. Philadelphia, they love you there. And fuck me, did he get a reaction, right? Dude, he was, they, the crowd went apeshit because it yeah. was un, unannounced, unadvertised. He comes out. Um, so like I said, Michael Shane is kind of walking away from Paul London, won't shake his hand. Tommy Dreamer comes out, basically, you know, points back to the ring, tells Michael Shane to get back in there. So Michael Shane, Paul London, and Tommy Dreamer are all in the ring. Tommy cuts this really great promo, really heartfelt, basically compares the uh, Murphy Rec Center, which is the place that they're at, compares it to the ECW arena, because obviously it's still Philly, and it's, you know, that underground kind of alternative to the WWE, which is what ECW embodied back in the day. And he says uh, that this place is a place of honor, and it's something special, just like ECW was. So he's, there's a tie in there. Um and it seemed pretty genuine coming from Tommy Dreamer, but uh, <laughs> he had a funny line. He was like, "You know, maybe someday WWE is gonna scoop some of these guys up and take." Like, yeah, you're yeah, right. Probably. You're right, Thomas. <laughs> uh, so Dreamer, Sh- Dreamer, and Michael Shane shake hands. Dreamer and London shake hands, but then London puts his hand out to shake Michael Shane's hand. Michael Shane shakes it, but then pulls him in that dastardly heel for a clothesline. Dreamer's pissed. He's it's funny because I think he said he like broke something in his face. So he couldn't like he couldn't yell and he couldn't make really extreme like facial expressions. So he's just sitting there like behind him, <laughs> like, like a disgruntled father, and he just D- DDTs the shit out of Michael Shane. That's all the crowd wanted. So that was beautiful stuff. Um and then yeah. he tells the music man to play my music and they play man in the box just like ECW. It was perfect. I love this aspect of the show. Yeah. And and there and it just shows like what a big crossover there was between ECW and Ring of Honor, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's easy to forget that now, but Ring of Honor was born out of the slipstream of of ECW. So yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so that happens. Paul London, the winner, is still out there, and then Amazing Red comes out. And mind you, we're still in this this one singular match that we've been talking about for a while. Yeah. Um, but it's been it's broken up by stuff like that, which is I guess it can be a good thing because it breaks it up. But also it's like, why just not have it separate matches? But I digress. So we have Paul London versus Amazing Red. Um, it was a solid match. It wasn't, you know, I feel like if it was a standalone match, if they, with more time, it would have been something special. But this seemed kind of just like an in-between between gauntlet matches for me. Um, there's a crazy spot where Amazing Red hits. I think this is the part where they're both on the top rope, standing on, on the turnbuckle, like all rickety and shit. And you hear the, the, the please yeah. don't die chance. Yeah. Amazing Red hits the damnedest like top rope headset. It's not a Hurricane Rana. He like turns 180 and then does a head scissor off the top rope. Um, yeah. It was. It could have been bad, but it looked graceful as hell. Yeah. Uh, the old, the old, please don't die chance that became a staple of Paul London's Ring of Honor career. How that man um, is still walking around to this day is it baffles me. 
That's and that's but that's how he got himself over just by mm-hmm. like you know dare I say killing himself like you say yeah. brain busters on the floor and um, just you know it, it's it's easy to forget that like this it's probably not the like most solid ring it's it right. was dangerous for two people to be doing like a big whatever you want to call it a runner bomb or whatever off the top mm-hmm. like crazy stuff um, talking about amazing red I, I'm jumping in now. Like, yeah. and talking about 2002, he was wearing, like, instead of a ring jacket, he just had, like, a double extra large, almost like an Ed, Ed Hardy unbuttoned shirt yeah, yeah. on that was, like, flames and stuff. I was like, it's pretty Mate. cool. It's it yeah, very it's cool. early 2000s American. Very yeah. Limp biscuit. Limp biscuit, <laughs> but also, like, cross with, like, um, you're part of a cool bowling team. A cool bowling team. I didn't know those exist. <laughs> the I can imagine in the bowling league, you know, like the heels. Uh, are there heels in bowling? I'm I'm unaware. Yeah, I don't know if you. Do, do, I don't know. I don't know if you like the Simpsons, Carl, but you know, like the Holy Rollers in that in the Pin Pals. Oh uh, yes. Of the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never would have compared uh, Amazing Red to that, but uh, yeah. it all makes sense when you put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's intertextuality <laughs> everywhere you look, mate everywhere <laughs> um amazing red does this really and he did stuff like this all the time but it's almost like you can see and i mentioned osprey and ricochet earlier it's like you could see that red was the first guy to be doing that almost like i don't want to say scripted but like three or four moves all in a row then mm-hmm. flow like he'd he'd do stuff where he'd like I think he'd like miss a kick, spin around, do a sweep in one motion, and then hit the red star press. Yeah. Like, and it's like, I don't think a lot of other people were doing that at the time. Right. No, he's he, amazing. Red is probably one of the more more influential wrestlers of all time, especially yeah. when you look at wrestling today and the style. I mean, amazing red, like you said, he was a pioneer of that style. Yeah. Like you, you, at this point, he busted out a, a shooting star press from the you know, just a standing position, which today you see everybody doing that. You see three hundred pounders doing that, but back then it was like, how? How does this? How does this happen? And it's so hectic everything he does. Like you said, because he combines moves one after the other, so it's just so fast and it's so like he hasn't. He hasn't. It's not always smooth, but a lot of the times it is. Yeah. Um, he he was amazing. Like. I, I damn, He's also I red. Said, yeah, I can't believe I've just said that. So, <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> um, I went, I actually, I was lucky enough to see him. It must have been two years ago. He did, he did a couple of shots over here in the UK and he um, he wrestled Park in London wow. in, for Rev Pro. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, it's not 2002 red, but he can still play the hits. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just, I it was just so great. I can imagine. Like, and I, yeah, I just got really drunk and loved every second of it. <laughs> How do you not, though? You know. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. It was just, and like, it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, you know, this is this is my childhood, in, right? But in 2019, loved it. It was so good. I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think if I think about the first year of Ring of Honor and like who the guys were, who were the homegrown stars, Red and London, like yeah. they're right up there at the top of the list, you know. They're, they're two guys that got themselves over just like I said by killing themselves. So yeah, yeah, yeah it exactly. was just cool to see him wrestle. Yeah, um, but the match, this part of the gauntlet, comes to an end when London hits a sky high, followed by a shooting star press from the top rope 
that crazy, that Paul London style. He just gets up there, waits a little bit, and then flips. Um, hits it onto red for the win. So Paul London moves on, which brings out American Dragon. He's looking uh, pretty beefy here. Would yeah. you agree? Because I know he's, yeah, he's fresh yeah. off his Japan tour that he just recently got off of. He's looking pretty jacked, if I do say so myself. Yeah, he's, he looks like a different body type. But yeah. I just wonder if that's because, you know, or definitely this is probably pre-vegan. Uh, pre-vegan yeah. dragon, which is an interesting phrase. Um, but Is it though? I, because his, I always thought his finisher was called cattle mutilation because I thought that was like a nod to him, his veganism. Mate. There you go. You've taught me something. I never <laughs> I'm really just un- guessing. I don't <laughs> I know if he really invented understand. it. Maybe somebody else invented it. Who knows? I don't know anything about wrestling. But uh, no, he would have. I, I know that his the the cattle mutilation. I know for a while it was called Arms Across America before this. Right. Um, so I'm sure that he made up the name cattle mutilation as well. I but I just never really understood what it meant to be honest. Um, now hmm. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, that does actually make sense. He probably still has some meat in his system, though, which is probably what he's running off of. But um, I, and the other thing is, I, I just wonder if, like, when when you do see him on WWE TV, because everybody else is a mu- is much bigger, maybe yeah. just comparatively, right. you know, it's like when you're like in a that's in a, a film, point. Tom Cruise isn't allowed to stand next to anyone that's that's like yeah. big. It, you know what I mean? Like it's like a, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. reference sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess when you're yeah. standing next to Paul London from 2002, anybody's gonna look big. So that's yeah, probably. Maybe. Um, and he faces AJ Styles later and he's not exactly a, a giant himself so um, but this match here London versus Dragon again another match that sounds like I think they do end up having a few matches later down the line that are amazing but um, this is kind of yeah, just like a, a almost a teaser here yeah there's one particular at a show called The Epic Encounter and I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. get there with your reviews one day Carl it's it's special it stands out I think I've actually seen it a long time ago just like standalone match and yeah I can I can't wait till I get to that era believe me but uh yeah. so this match starts off in American Dragon he's using this size as a, his advantage also based off of London having two right two previous matches before this so yeah Dra- Dragon dominates most of the match uh really stiff amateur wrestling in the beginning like very intentful like strong amateur wrestling in the in the beginning really stiff uppercuts european uppercuts as well from from danielson uh but london fights back at some point hits some big moves hits a tornado ddt hits a uh, a russian leg sweep from the second rope which is weird but fun um, yeah it was weird but uh but dragon eventually locks in the cattle mutilation and london taps out pretty much immediately so um, it told the story of what it was supposed to tell. It, it's using the gauntlet match and how fatigued London is and how at a disadvantage he is, but it almost gives a sense of like, that's a little unfair. Don't you think? Yeah. I, but it also, yeah, it's just an excuse to have London lose as well. Like it yeah. keeps London strong, doesn't it? Because eventually, mm. um, you know, he gets a shot at the title eventually as well. So, right. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose if that's what they're going for, it, it fit. But um, I believe, yeah, that's the last match of uh, this portion of the gauntlet, I guess. And then at this point, they make an announcement that Dragon is going to fight AJ Styles later, which is like, why not just have it now? <laughs> I, I didn't understand. I, I was expecting Styles to come out. There's no real, like, yeah. you know, Dragon wouldn't be any more at a disadvantage than London was in the match that you just had. So it's like, why does Dragon need an hour to rest if... 
don't know, especially if he's going to end up losing, you know, you might as well just keep it going. But I guess they want to keep people after intermission, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It it was weird, but um, I do think that at this time, AJ was kind of seen as their biggest star, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they just wanted to keep him for the semi-main. I'm not sure. That's Yeah, that's very true. He was already making a, a name well, for himself in TNA. The other thing I was thinking is I wonder if he had a set. I wonder if AJ had another booking on that day. I mean, this is something that you'd have yeah. to go and look up, which I haven't. I wonder if he had a show, you know, somewhere else. You know, something tells me if that were true, they would have mentioned that on commentary. I feel like they, there's no like barriers to what they mention on commentary. So I feel like, yeah. but that, that could still be true. Maybe just, you know, didn't get words to the commentary team or something, but I, I wouldn't put that past them. That's for sure. Especially how these guys were working so much back then. Um, but uh, so that sets up uh, one of the main events of the show. But that brings us to a six man tag team match. The first ever six man tag in Ring of Honor history here, actually. And weirdly, it's for the tag team titles. You heard that right. So the, the titles meant for two people is being defended in a six man tag match. Um, and they kind of <laughs> so they defend this concept. Commentary is even like I think it's Gabe. He's. He says, uh, defending the titles in a six man. What kind of booking is this? Like he phrases yeah. it like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. Why, why yeah. don't you tell me why? But they, they defend it because it's a it's a trophy, right? So it's not like we have two belts we're defending. We have one trophy that we're defending so we can defend it how we see fit. That was their uh, explanation. And they they tell the story like that it was Daniels who wanted to have it as a trophy instead of belts. So anyone from the prophecy could defend it, which I get is like the free bird rule or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know. People have tried stuff like this. I know that um, like obviously like our home promotion over here is Progress Wrestling. Yes. Um, the wrestling should be fun, boys. And they they tried when they first started. They didn't have tag team belts. They had like this shield. I just that- covered that show recently. I think. uh no, it wasn't the wrestling should be fun, but I covered that show recently within the past few months. And yeah, like you said, they had the, 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 the it was one shield broken in half and then they like put yeah. them together. And like, I get it trying something different, but at the end of the day, everyone just ends up going back to belts. Yep. Like, it's just, it's what people know for wrestling. It's, it's just, a, if know, it ain't don't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. So, but anyway, I get it. Trying something different. Daniel says, oh, I want it to be a trophy so we can all defend it. Fine, whatever. But there just seems to be a lot of trophies. Because there's the number one contenders trophy, yeah, and then the, yeah the tag trophy, and then they probably had a clearance sale at the trophy store down the street. So like, hey, let's <laughs> yeah. create some titles. This, let's create some stakes for these matches. This month's show is sponsored by Joe's Trophies. Find them on the corner. Of- <laughs> Has yeah. a bowler on top of it. Don't look at it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the, the camera, we're not HD yet. You can't see it. <laughs> um. So yeah, I thought the six man was pretty cool, but. It, I found that that was weird when Gabe was like, oh, who booked this or what? And I was like, mate, like, don't try to be, t- we all know you're the booker. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't try to be too cute. Like, keep, yeah, yeah. like, I, I do have a, I, some, I don't know. There's a fine line. Cause sometimes it's great fun when someone just bends kayfabe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know maybe someone might use a real name or whatever instead of a wrestler's name it's like sometimes it's cute but sometimes it's like nah just just, well, let, just us, let us pretend it feels it's like, real please yeah they're just trying to be the other end of the spectrum from what wwe is who is like super super kayfabe so they're just trying to be so different 
but it's like it's too much they're overshooting it a little bit yeah yeah maybe yeah too much it's not it's good if it's not if it's not funny and it's not cool yeah it's just it's too much yeah well, let me ask you something what are your thoughts on donovan morgan well <laughs> i i to me he's just like um he, he's he's elusive i don't know he's just a guy uh, he's got he's got a weird yeah. name he didn't really stand out to me. <laughs> he's got a weird name. Let me tell you this. This, this drove me crazy what he did. So he's the part of the prophecy. He's the heel. They're, they're the biggest heel faction in the company. Match gets underway. Donovan Morgan's in there. All right, everybody. <laughs> let's, you're the fucking heel. <laughs> what are you doing, man? It's like he doesn't even understand what the storyline is. or yeah. He's just there. He's just there to fill a number. I'm sure that he must have been like... He must have been Daniel's buddy or something, though. Like, I think he was. I think he was. And I think, I wonder, like, I'm looking at him, I'm like, is he sort of like a bit of a veteran on the card? Like, have they, is he, because he must be a bit older. Like, I get the feeling that mm. he has some, he has some fame from somewhere else other than being the first Ring of Honor tag team trophy holder. But, man, that's crazy. I don't, I don't really know about much it. about him. And he never, like, when I watched this in 2002, I was probably like, oh, you know, this guy's just boring because he doesn't do a red star press, you know? Right. And, and I watch now and I'm like, oh, this guy seems technically solid, but he's, there's still, I don't, there's not much to him. I don't know not what much I'm meant to, him. what am I meant to grab onto with him, right? He's like if uh, like a Luther Reigns was a better wrestler. Like yeah. he just doesn't, doesn't have a lot of like, you know, descript features about him. He's just kind of, he's solid, like you said, but you know, when you have the roster that you have and then they would keep continue to build onto like Donovan Morgan, he's, he's, he's not going to be the guy people come to see. Cause I think that he, I, I, th- I think that he was a tag in a tag team with Mike Modest. I'm going mm. out on a limb here. Someone's listening to this and going, nah, I believe you're you. wrong. But yeah, hope yeah, don't, you know, you you can send all your hate mail to uh the put, yeah. apron bump podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. What do I care? <laughs> um No, I think I think that's I think that's where he was known from. He was a tag team wrestler with Mike Modest. So I guess that's trying to draw on that. Maybe he's a veteran yeah. tag team wrestler. That's he feels like a tag team wrestler. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um but I don't even know if I mentioned who's in this match. So we have the prophecy, so we have Christopher Daniels, Donovan Morgan, and Samoa Joe versus the team of Doug Williams, your boy. Uh, well, no, you're Australian, so that's not your boy. So Homicide <laughs> and Loki. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot of good talent in this match. Homicide, like you mentioned, he's kind of breaking off as a singles guy, even though he's in a tag match here. But he's, he's his own character, and he's quickly, he's super over already. People love him. You know, he's he's uh, the Notorious 187, I think is what he calls himself. Yep. Um, kind of already embracing that character, and he he has a hot tag in this match that's amazing. Um, the uh, the cop killer finisher that he keeps teasing, that's banned, he keeps teasing like all that stuff. I really enjoyed this match actually. It was kind of a little bit slow in the beginning, but it picked up towards the end, and it was yeah. like it was chaotic, but it was more of like a controlled chaos, more so than what we saw like in the opening match. Towards the end, like everybody's hitting their finishers and everything, but it, it, everything seemed cohesive at the end. Yeah. It was, there was like a really cool part and I don't think they, they got it exactly right, but leading into the finish where before they all started hitting their finishes, they were all trying to hook their finishes and they all just kept getting broken up by someone else coming in, which I I thought, I thought that part was really cool. Um, 
And I, yeah, I just, I, I actually, I just thought it was a great match. I didn't really have many takeaways on it. I just thought it was a really good match. And mm-hmm. my thing was exactly what you said. I, I think I mentioned it earlier, but this seemed to me like the moment when Homicide was made in Ring of Honor. I'm like, to me, I was like, oh, this clearly, they, they must have been watching this Ring of Honor and going, oh, this is our start. Like, this is a new yeah. star that we've got. Um, the way the fans responded to him and yeah, it was just, he was, he stood out in that match. Him, him and Joe were the standouts in the match um, because yeah. Joe's got the storyline with the prophecy um, and yeah, side was just the, the standout player. I wonder, I wonder who would have got to be tag team champions on the challenges side had they won. Like, right, yeah, they didn't of, really they explain really it. <laughs> I guess it still would have been all three of them and, and with yeah. that logic that they used. Why, why was, Doug, you know, Doug Williams, why was he there? Was he just doing them a favor? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because the, the commentary, and you know, we're kind of shitting on the commentary, but they, they did, did a good thing at the beginning. They kind of put over the international flavor of this match and how each guy wrestled in Japan or somewhere else internationally and then that they're all collectively in one spot here which is what kind of Ring of Honor was their appeal is you have all these people all around the world want to come to this one spot. So I, I did like that aspect of this match. I think that was, that was a cool uh, underlying story here. But as far as like, you know, takeaways from this match, there was just some like, like Smojo. God, I love Smojo, man, especially young Smojo. There's, <laughs> I love how he just doesn't give a shit. Like there's a spot where Doug Williams, he's trying to lock in this double. Like he has a gory special on one guy, and he's trying to get a Boston Crab. Like, is this like really like complex submission? And then Smojo just comes in and just kicks him right in the fucking face. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, yeah. He tags in. And he's like, all right, I'm done playing around. And he's hitting these like really snappy suplexes on everybody. And like you said, he even does a a Flosberry flop. I, I believe it's called, or at least it was yeah. kind of <laughs> almost. It was pretty yeah, much almost, like he just jumped. Yeah. He did basically jumped over the top rope backwards. Essentially, what it was, yeah. but it was still hell impressive for a guy his size. There, there was another time when like I think everyone was sort of hitting their finishes. But Joe just hits like a massive insecurity. It's on someone instead. Like it's like yeah. you know, last rites, chaos theory, uh, key crusher. Like the end. But then Joe's like, oh, I'll just do a kick. I'll just kick something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you believe it. You believe that it yeah. can finish the match. Anything Smojo does. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said, great false finishes in this match. A lot of good double team maneuvers. Really innovative stuff. Even like watching this today in today's lenses, a lot of innovative stuff. Um, kind of broke down at the end with everybody hitting their finishers, but the finish comes when a uh, Smojo hits Homicide with a power bomb. You know the classic spot where he holds him in the power bomb position for a pin. They kick out. He transitions into an STF, uh, but he transitions from that into the Coquina Clutch, which causes Homicide to pass out. So the Prophecy wins, retains their trophy, and uh, like you mentioned earlier, Samoa Joe shakes the hands of all the, uh, his opponents because he doesn't abide by the uh, the mentality that the prophecy goes. So he's just, he's just a paid assassin. And uh, Daniels and Morgan are all pissed. I think Daniels even's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Right, like, right, right into the camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Daniels yeah. was cracking me up. There, there was another spot I forgot to mention where Daniels hits a Uranagi onto Doug Williams and then he looks at his opponent he's like, moonsault bitch and then he just yeah, goes yeah. And does the best moonsault ever <laughs> it's yeah. like, that is cold as ice daniels yeah love it um yeah. yeah any other takeaways from that match um mate i think that was about it i think uh, there was one there was one part that was interesting to me was when uh homicide had joe hooked up for the cop killer 
And mm-hmm. I was like, that would have been oh, interesting no, 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 to no. see <laughs> if he could have got him up. And I'm sure he does because they, they wrestled a hundred times after this. They wrestled uh, on they the had... next show, actually. Oh, do they? Uh, I yeah, the card well, after this, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so hopefully we'll, if I see that, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, so it'll be interesting, but I just know that I know that he eventually does hit it on Joe. Um, but I was just like, when I was watching this, I was like, no, because that yeah. would be that's a heavy impressive. landing. Yeah, yeah. It, um, but mate, that was that was a bit like genuinely my takeaway from this match was I really enjoyed it. It's probably my favorite part of the show. Yeah, I I probably would agree as well. Um, actually, I don't know. What do you think about this next match? I think it could be a candidate. We have Allison Danger versus <laughs> Alexis Lurie, aka Mickey James. Yeah. Uh, thoughts? I a couple of, <laughs> uh, a couple of very quick thoughts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The number one is how far as as women's wrestling in the United States come. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, and. You could see, and like that, they're, they're trying hard, and and obviously we know Mickey James, Alexis Ari goes on to be mm-hmm. a great worker and very respected, and Hall of Famer and WWE, all that stuff. I'm sure, um, but it was it was yeah, it's bad, bad. Um, it, but yeah. the wrestling wasn't my least favorite part of the match. Uh, once again, and it's a bit of a theme here, but fucking hell, the commentary was actually a little bit upsetting at one point. I yeah. gen- I think I, I didn't write down what Gabe said, um, but it was just actually, it was like real weird, like sexist. He said something like, oh, they're going to, these girls, their hands are going to be on each other and they're going to end up spanking each other. I can't <laughs> wait to see this. And I, like, I was actually like, mate, that that's not just... Like, and I'm, yeah. I mean, I can take a joke as well as anyone, but it, I was like, mate, that's upsetting. Like, I'm glad no one else is in this room watching this with me. That people would be like, what the yeah. fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, it was very, it's like, it's one thing to like make that reference, but to do it in such like a, like a clumsy, like just on the nose yeah. way that he did. It was like, yeah. Cause it even, wasn't, it wasn't even funny. It was just like gross. No. He even mentions, I think it's in this match where he's like, when did I become Jerry Lawler? It's like, yeah. yeah, we know that's what you're trying to do, but you don't need to t- tell us that explicitly. Yeah. And, but at least like law and I know Lola, like his stuff is bad as well in hindsight, but at least he was funny. Yeah. At least he did it in a way that was, you know, yeah. entertaining in, in some aspects, at least, and, at least for the time it was entertaining. Yeah. But no, it was, for me, it, this was not just the low point in the ring, obviously, but that, that goes without saying, at least they're trying to give, um, give these two, wrestlers some time on the show and give them a chance yeah but the, yeah the commentary just for me it, it really it felt bad it was just yeah yeah um, it's, and and it was 18 years ago or whatever or 19 years ago but still i even then i think it was tone deaf it, yeah it's yeah poor it, it was pretty rough and uh alice in danger of course is accompanied by mace of the christopher street connection and boy, if you want to hear some rough commentary, <laughs> listen oh, to some man. of the first shows with the Christopher Street connection and yeah. oof, I don't really? even, I'm, it, it's, yeah, it's bad. Really, just, just really bad. Like the sort of things that I, I wouldn't even, wouldn't even want to comment on. And I know that was their gimmick and they were all for it and they were trying to perpetuate this type yeah. of gimmick and, and it probably made them some money, you know, um, works. but it's, yeah, it's not stuff that, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's yeah don't don't bother going back and watching any early, early, early <laughs> christopher street connection with the with the bananas and all that stuff that they were doing it was just yeah. oh yeah because they're like penises right 
That, yeah, right. Yeah, oh, no, I never even... I get it now. I hear those fellows are quite keen to uh, <laughs> a good penis every now and then. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but uh, the match itself here, not a lot to it. There's even one point where it, like, cuts... Like, they cut part of it out. I don't know if you caught that. But they're, like, fighting on the outside. And all of a sudden, they're, like, getting back in the ring on the opposite side. So I, I'm curious as to what happened <laughs> that they cut yeah, out. Or maybe I, they just were like, let's keep, let's move it along. Or, you know, maybe it was just I a lot be of plotting honest, nonsense. I didn't notice that because I was just genuinely on my phone. If you would have blinked, you would have missed match. it. Yeah, so I just... It, yeah, it, it didn't, didn't stand out to me at all. I kind of wanted it to be over. <laughs> just because after the honestly and this is the truth like the commentary took me out of it from the start i was like no i don't blame oh, you nah. yeah yeah um but mickey ultimately hits a reverse ddt for the win uh allison's pretty much i don't know if she like was a legit wrestler or if she was just there to be a valet but she was definitely positioned as like a fish out of water here and alexis larie was the true wrestler so it was a pretty it was essentially a squash match here but then after the match <laughs> mace gets in there the man from the christopher street connection i don't know where his partner is but he gets in there and he just punches mickey james right in the face yeah. <laughs> but i guess it's okay because he's a homosexual maybe yeah. that's is that the rules i think i'm unclear think sometimes those are not the rules but oh, i think okay. that's i think in wrestling maybe those are the rules yeah it punches her gives her like a t-bone suplex kind of deal lays her out and like I said, I, I looked at the card after this, and there's actually a match between Mace and Alexis Lurie. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll keep you updated. And, and I'm sure Alexis Lurie is going to go over. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, she's, yeah. We, we spoke about the, um, the prophecy storyline with Steve mm-hmm. Carino, right? Do, yep. you know what, do you know what happens with Alison Danger in that storyline after this? I don't. So, did you know that Alison Danger is Steve Carino's sister? No, I did not. Yeah, yeah so Alison Danger is Steve Carino's sister. So when when Simply Luscious breaks away from the prophecy to be with Carino, Christopher Daniels goes and gets Alison Danger to join oh, the prophecy. No. He's like, oh well, you took Simply Luscious, but I've got your sister. And then you know they they became one of the hottest acts in Ring of Honor. Like Danger in the prophecy is great. Yeah, is it okay? Better, yeah. better than Luscious. Way better than Luscious. Danger be worse. plays. She does like she dresses up like a slutty nurse all the time and stuff. It's um, not that that's the most important part, but I'm just. I mean, saying. that's why I plays, look for in wrestling. She, the more slutty she, nurses, the better. She plays. She plays the character very well. I said nurse. I meant to say nun. Nun, not nurse. Sorry, that was well, my never mind then. There goes yeah. my boner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do not stand for blasphemy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So that's that's going to be the positive to come out of this. If we can, you know, give it a month or two, and we get danger in the prophecy and luscious with Steve Carino, and it's good. Looking it's good forward fun. to it. Good fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good fun, we have a bunkhouse match coming up next. I saw this on the card, and I was like, man, we're about to have a war in our hands. <laughs> but yeah. it is, it's a squash. I don't know why they even called it a bunkhouse match. It could have just been a match with chairs. Uh, Because that's essentially what it is. So we have the Carnage crew versus the Ring Crew Express. So the team of Dunn and Marcos, who have been on most of the cards, actually, up to this point. But they just been the jobber guys. So I was like, oh, man, maybe they're going to, you know, they're going to use weapons. They're going to get the upper hand here, be in this match. But nope, it is. uh, It's pretty much a squash. 
And they're yeah. putting over, I guess Carnage Crew is facing uh, Abdullah the Butcher and somebody else at a future show. So they're basically, this match is here to serve the purpose of building up the Carnage Crew, making them look like beasts. Um, and that's kind of what happens. I mean, it's a very short match. Chairs get involved. There's even, so it's the Ring Crew Express. So you have like random guys outside of those two guys, like try to come in and help. Like these random ass dudes in carpenter jeans just sprinting in the ring, but they just get shit canned right away. And then, like you said, that spike pile driver off the second rope that they spoiled with the intro package uh, is the finish here. Probably like, I don't know, two or three minutes in. Um, But yeah, not a lot to that match. Just here to make the Carnage crew uh, look dominant, I guess. But does a good job of it, right? Like Uh, Carnage crew did look legit after this. I. Because I, you know, I think a lot of people remember the um, DeVito from ECW. He was like a bit of a joke with the um, uh, Angels group. What were they called? The Baldies. They're like a bit, right. of a bit of a joke. And then obviously HC Loke was a referee. But then in Ring of Honor, they actually did a good job of making them look like badasses. So yeah, they're mm-hmm. building towards... I'm sure that it's um, Abby and Homicide teams with him, I'm sure. So right. Um, yeah, so and that's at a show called Night of the Butcher. Uh, yes. So, so yeah, but no, cool. Um, I just, I, I, and I was glad it was short because I was just like, I don't. I, yeah, that's all it I needed need, to be. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to see Dunn and Marcos rocking anyone like a hurricane tonight. Mm. Just, yeah. <laughs> hit, hit your, hit your pile driver. That's good. Yeah, good Man. stuff from the carnage crew. Maybe they'll get them next time. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of ECW, we have JT Smith making an appearance. You a big JT Smith fan? I can't say I am. Um, I and this this was a, a blank spot for me. I couldn't figure out what what was going. Was on. he in the FBI? JT yeah. Smith. He was. Yeah. So I, I um I also do a timeline of the mid nineties with ECW, and I did. It was their first Extreme Championship Wrestling show. JT Smith opened the show against hack myers so that's all my knowledge of jt smith is very early ecw doing like you know weird he did i remember a spot he did where he took a chair and like tried to do a backflip and hit his opponent but it just looks stupid like that's who jt smith is in my eyes right now so i was like oh it's that guy (laughs) coming out and uh because it's the ecw theme here you have dreamer earlier and stuff like that so um And then it's they it's Matt it's Joey Matthews who comes out to yep. like disrespect him, um, but it it was just uh, yeah it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me I wasn't a hundred percent sure it's him and I think it's all special K comes out yeah. there and you have Joey Matthews I guess they're all hopped up on drugs all all the all, all the marijuanas that the kids are doing these days. <laughs> Um, he's like pie facing JT Smith, like, come on, come on. And then JT punches them, but they gang up on him. And some, I don't know where this rake came from, but yeah, some, someone pulls out a rake and just beats the shit out of JT Smith with it. I don't know if that's, uh, just yeah. what they had lying around and like, Hey, let's use this rake. Um, but then, uh, two guys come out to make the save. Were you, who do you know who these two guys were that came out to make the save? Um, yeah, they were the. They were a tag team later on, I think, called the Outcast Killers. So cool. I can't remember their names. One of them was called Orman Tortuga, I think. Tortuga and someone else. You're really testing my knowledge now, but yeah, you could say killers. any. You could say any word, and I'd be like, okay, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the the interesting one, and this like this is like one of the Ring of Honor ones that never really got paid off. It's like um, 
Ring of Honor's GTV or yeah. you know like who who raised the briefcase at the King of the Ring? Who threw a pie at Kevin Owens? That, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, it's the big like security guard uh, mm-hmm. that ends up with Special K, who just comes in and does like a run. He breaks one of the guardrails, which was funny. Yes, that was great. To get, I love that. To get through. And then, but then he shook, but then he's with, he shook JT Smith's hand. And I'm like, again, I don't know where they're going with this. I, I didn't know. Cause I know, I know that, um, like the FBI were on some of the early shows in ring of honor, like Marmaluke and, uh, Nunzio. Yep. Yep. Uh, little Guido, I should say, but like, I just don't know if, I don't know where they were going with this, and if because Nuncio, I believe, just just got signed like a month or two before this to WWE, because him and Mama Luke had a match in the previous show, and it was like a loser leaves town kind of deal. So right. Mama Luke won. I think Mama Luke's still around there in Ring of Honor, but Nuncio's yeah. gone. Um, and like you said, this this guy, the security guard, he's he's made run-ins on pretty much every show thus far in Ring of Honor. They don't really mention why he doesn't have a name. He just always comes in there, gives one guy a choke slam, and then gives another guy like a, a big ending kind of move. Yeah, it is big ending, yeah. And it just kind of bounces and just kind of gets back in the crowd and stands in the in the shadows with his glasses yeah. and his suit. So you're saying it doesn't we don't get a reason? I'm sure he ends up with special K, but I don't think it ever ends up being anything that's paid off or anything good. It and I like the fact that I can't remember his name. It's um, not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm pretty sure that's a decent indication that it yeah. doesn't really ever come to anything. Man, what a shame! But uh, yeah. we have uh, up next, just kind of, kind of, somewhat in the middle of the show, the Ring of Honor World Title is on the line. The champion Xavier, accompanied by Simply Luscious, versus Jay Briscoe. Uh, when it comes to Xavier, man, like. I don't know. I'm. I, it's tough to buy him as the best guy in the company. Yeah. With all these guys, even even if you look at it in kayfabe or you know just in realistic terms, with all the talent that's around him, it's tough to to believe that he's the the, the top of the mountain here. Yeah. And and that was the thing about him. I think I'm sure that's why they put the belt on him because he wasn't he wasn't yeah. American Dragon. He wasn't low key. I'm sure they wanted a heel champion that was like someone who could have a match with everyone, but someone who wasn't going to outshine the others. I'm sure mm. that there was some thought behind it in that way. Um, and that's why Daniels wanted him with the title. And almost, it's almost like, well, Daniels knew that he was never as good as Daniels. Right. You know, so like, it's almost like Daniels, he's like, well, this is how ridiculous your promotion is. Like, I've got the title <laughs> in my faction on a guy that's not as good as I, I actually like that. I don't know if that's what they're going for, but I do like that logic. So that'll be the canon in my head as I, as I watch this, because it makes sense that way. And he also like Xavier kind of, he was always trying to avoid defending the title against any of the big hitters. Yeah. He, yeah. He's always trying to run away from AJ Styles or uh, American Dragon or Paul London. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the next show, the next show he faces Jeremy Lopez which, yeah. you know, guys like that, he'll he'll fight. But then he runs into, I think it's, you said Samoa Joe that he loses to, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so, right. yeah. But he, Xavier, he looked like a star. Like, he looked like a the prototypical guy you'd see in WWE as, like, a mainstay there. But he just, you know, he didn't have a lot of subs. It's kind of similar to Donovan Morgan. Like, he had a good look. He was solid. But uh, just not a lot of, you know, that extra 
I guess, it factor to uh, put him above everybody else. But uh, he had a good little run here in, in the early days of Ring of Honor. Yeah. Um, and and eighteen year old Jay Briscoe. Like, oh man, it is. Every time I see Jay Briscoe, man, I I, I don't get desensitized to it because I've been watching all these shows in order, and every time I see him, it's like, God damn, that guy is still there. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's just baby because yeah. like, he has gray. He has a gray beard now, and yeah. we're looking at him in a singlet, just with the you know clean face, just yeah. ready to wrestle. It's like, man, what what an evolution that guy see, sees. But uh, and obviously, you know, they I think the commentary does a good job you know saying he's got all the tools but mm-hmm. it's clear that xavier has handpicked him because he's not ready yet yeah yeah for sure but he's he's got one weapon which is the j driller and there's right. always that there's a threat during the match the psychology is well if he can hook you with his finish he will beat you um but if you could if you can if you're xavier if you can avoid that you should be okay so the mentality here, and I don't know if you caught this or not, but they had a match at the previous show, Xavier and Jay Briscoe. It was a non-title match where Jay Briscoe won with the Jay Drillers. So it's basically like a uh, you lost to this before, so if he hits you with it again, you're definitely going to lose. So I do like that aspect of the story going into this. Um, as far as the match goes, it was fine. Uh, a, a really crazy split leg moonsault from Xavier. He basically is on the top rope, and Jay is on the outside, and he jumps does like a like a 90 degree spin and then does the moonsault off the rope could have gone very bad but looked good uh jay gets yeah. busted open at some point i didn't really catch when he got cut but it, he's just it, pouring blood all down his face ab- and yeah the sort of blood that you would never ever see in wrestling on tv again yeah. like we're never gonna see a blade job like that before like again so jay briscoe is kind of famous in these early days of ring honor for the way he did bleed there's a famous cage match against Samoa Joe at probably Ring of Honor's best ever show called At Our Best. Yeah. Um, and it's it just it's sickening the amount of like this mm. you know someone like me who loves that shit you know deathmatch wrestling and stuff yeah. I loved it, but um it was a proper a proper gusher. Yikes. Um, so I yeah fair play Jay you just would never see that anymore. Right, <laughs> just getting started I guess with that. Uh, yeah. but towards the end, simply luscious who's out there. She slides a chair to distract the ref and then uh, crotches Jay on the top rope. And then uh, Xavier hits the X breaker, which is basically a uh, neck breaker, rude awakening, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the win. So Xavier gets the dusty WWE style finish. But I guess that's the story of the prophecy and kind of what their uh, their gimmick entails. So made sense. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much all it was to me. The main takeaway for me about Xavier all these years later is he had the worst names of moves. The X-Breaker <laughs> like is so shit. And then, I don't know if it's the same move, I can't, I can't quite remember now, but then for a while his finisher was called Kiss Your Ex Goodbye. That's pretty funny. Like, that's, that's pretty it's fun. It's so shit. Well, what what, what, what <laughs> was the move? Was it like a super kick? I, yeah, I don't know, mate. I wonder if it was... But now I'm like, maybe he changed it. Because I think he always used that... Sh- it's just a neck breaker with their arms crossed. Yeah, it makes it X. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I get... Oh, mate, it's very... His, his name's Xavier. It starts with an X. Do you get it? <laughs> he only did it 12 times during the match. <laughs> and he... Yeah, the, the all-round best. But he... Yeah, kiss your ex goodbye. It's not... I, I always like... Even... Yeah, even when I was 15, I was like, that is so shit. <laughs> Maybe that's why he didn't have more success than that. But uh, yeah. so uh, 
that brings us to uh, the co-main event. The ROH number one contender trophy is on the line. So this is the finals of the gauntlet match that we saw earlier. American Dragon Brian Danielson versus AJ Styles. Two guys that we saw wrestle each other literally months ago on WWE. It's just, it's still, it's still just so crazy to me, man. Yeah. Seeing, seeing their early work here, but uh, really, uh, I enjoyed this match. Uh, really intense amateur wrestling at the start, like that. That was kind of Dragon's thing, right? Like he would do all the chain yeah. wrestling, but he would do it with like intent. Like he would try to hurt you with his headlocks and his waist locks and stuff like that. It looked legit because AJ Styles, he's, he's also like. People forget he's a great amateur wrestler and he has that background himself too. So he was able to go uh, toe for toe with Dragon here. But uh, Brian, the, the the bigger guy, is able to dominate it a little bit. And once again, just like Jay Briscoe, Brian gets busted open at some point. I think he got need when uh, AJ did that backflip into the DDT thing that he always does. I think he got he caught a knee on that. Yeah. But uh. So what else? We, we, there's a fun, a fun spot here where they basically, uh, I think it's Danielson puts a Muda lock onto AJ, and they they both like kind of reverse each other and they fight to where they're both on their knees and they're both like, rah, rah, yeah. like wrenching back and forth, and then the ref has to break it up because it's like a stalemate. That's like I've never seen anything like that. So it's, it's fun and innovative stuff like that always pops me. Yeah. Um. I. When like during all the the first stages of the match, it just reminded me what was great about Dragon uh, in this time was like the intensity that he brought to Matt wrestling. Yes, like he like even little things that he would do it made it look like he was really trying to hurt you. And you know he might not be the biggest guy in the world, but he was like just so intense and almost angry. Like yeah. he just and I like that really stood out. Um, he wasn't just rolling around on the mat for the sake of it. It it felt like he was trying to out-wrestle you. And it felt like every second of that was like a contest between the two of them, right? Yeah. Like, which is why it was cool. Um, and a lot of people have tried to imitate that but haven't been able to as well as he can do it. American Dragon might, you know, I. it depends on the day who my favorite wrestler of all time is. But he's right up there, right? Absolutely. But if someone, if someone asked me why he's special, it's hard to put my finger on it. But mm-hmm. it's little things like that. I'm like, it's actually, you know, he, he approaches everything with that intensity. That's all. Yeah, that's all I was going to say there. Yeah, yeah. It makes it, like you said, it makes it like it's a fight and not a, uh, not like they're working together, the opponents. It's yeah. like they're fighting against each other. And AJ, to his credit, was was fighting right back at him with it because yeah, yeah. there's a spot where they're, uh, they're trading slaps. So the wrestling's out the window. So they're just slapping the shit out of each other. And they both miss a discus, a discus clothesline. So one Brian goes for one, he misses. AJ goes for one, he misses. And then they both go for and they both hit. Like that kind of stuff was, just always gets me. It was a really good spot there. Um, yeah. I loved I loved there was a spot when it started to get a, li- a little bit more high impact. Maybe it was towards the end of the match, actually, where um, Dragon does a German suplex. And it's like a really, it's a bridging German suplex. And it's a really close, like, 2.8 count, right? Mm-hmm. But AJ kicks out and Dragon just is still holding the bridge. It's like he's actually like, trying to pin him. Yeah, and he's just there. He's still holding the bridge even after he's kicked yeah, out. Yeah. I, just, I was like, that, that was really cool. You don't see anyone do that. It just It's almost like he's just going to show, like, I've still got plenty in the tank here. Just like, a I savage. Can hold this, yeah, I can hold this bridge. I'm a machine. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, that that 
it's weird what stands out to you in a match, but yeah, that stood out to me. No, I remember that too. That, that was a great little uh, aspect of it too. Uh, you have AJ hitting the Styles Clash, but only for a two count. Uh, you have uh, Brian locking in the cattle mutilation again, but uh, AJ is able to fight out into a, he actually gets into a pinning predicament, but fights out of that. But uh, the finish comes, and I, I love the finish to this match because the constant theme here is it feels like these guys are fighting against each other, not working together for just the flashy, smooth uh, spots and transitions. So you have yeah. Brian is basically, he's on the top rope, and he gets crotched by AJ. So AJ tries to pull him off into the Styles class position. but So he's got him by the waist, he has his legs around his shoulders, but Brian is still, he has both his hands on the ropes in the corner. And he, AJ's pulling him, but he won't. Brian won't let go. He's pulling him. He's pulling him. So he just slams him down on his back, which causes Brian to, you know, release control of his hands on the ropes. And then AJ has to power him, power bomb him like two or three more times, all while maintaining control. And then finally hits the Styles Clash for the win. And, and like the second time that he power bombs him, it I don't know whether it was on purpose, but. It was almost like he didn't want to do that power bomb, but he just couldn't yeah. quite get him up for the start. It was it's exactly what you said. It it's almost like one of those instances where something that is not exactly clean makes the match better. Right, because it makes it realistic. Yeah. Like it, yeah. AJ and Loki had a match a few months before this that was very similar. It, it felt like very like a like a true contest. Um, yeah. So maybe AJ is the common denominator here. So that's just a, a testament to his uh, his abilities. It's about even yeah. 18, 19 years ago. Um, then, uh, so AJ gets the win here. So he's the new number one contender and I guess he'll face, um, Xavier at a future show, but then, um, so Brian, they, they shake hands, Brian walks to the back and as he walks through the curtain, that damn prophecy is here again. And they <laughs> just mug Brian right behind the, the curtain, beat the hell out of him, And then they storm to the ring and do the same to AJ. But then Jay Briscoe comes out to help. I think he has a chair or something, but he runs all of them away. And it's kind of a theme here, actually. A few shows in a row where it's like three baby faces run off the prophecy, and they're all always different. So, But the prophecy yeah. is like the common denominator, the common uh, heel faction that everybody's trying to overcome. So, um, and it, yeah. So Jay Briscoe was there, I think, the storyline, if I remember correctly, is because Mark Briscoe, his brother, joins the prophecy. Does and he? Jay, yeah. I thought that might have already happened. Uh, sorry if I'm giving a spoiler for a no, future I don't, show. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think so. Mark joins the prophecy. So I think Jay hates them, obviously, because they're brainwashing his little brother. Mm. Well, they, they end up being a team. Like, when, when do they start teaming, the Briscoes? I think I'm sure that the only reason they're not teaming is because Mark can't work on any of the shows right. in Pennsylvania because he's too young. Yeah. But he turns, he, so he's 17 and Jay's 18. And I think as soon as Mark turns 18, they just tag everywhere. Yeah. It's funny because they had a, a show in Boston a few months before this. And I guess in Boston, yeah. you don't have to be 18. And Mark yeah. and Jay just happen to have the best, probably. I've watched all the shows up to this point chronologically. And it's probably my favorite match so far is Mark versus Jay at uh, honor yeah. invades boston just uh, their brothers a uh, great chemistry but yeah. uh it, yeah that's that's a great match it's a yeah famous match in the early years of ring of honor yeah and then keep an eye out when they do start tag teaming they they wrestle against aj styles and amazing red mm. um so the amazing phenomenon versus the briscoes they they really stood out in the early years yeah, yeah. of ring of honor as well that's awesome so that's awesome keep an eye out for them for sure 
Uh, but that brings us to the main event. Uh, it's weird though. It feels more like a uh, like a post show than a main event. Like like a, almost like a post show dark match kind of feel yeah. to it. It's a uh, it's low key and Steve Carino. This is the match that was set up in the opening segment, and Samoa Joe is out there with Steve Carino, and they're facing off against Masato Tanaka and Jinjiro Otani. Did I get that right? Yeah. Did I get that name right? I reckon that's right. I reckon that's right. I'm sure everyone knows Otani. Mm-hmm. He was, I believe, he was the first WCW Cruiserweight Champion. Was he? he? Was, yeah, I think so. Or he, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Sh- I think he beat. Uh, Brian Pillman in like the finals of their tournament mm-hmm. for like the first cruiserweight champion. So yeah, he um he's got a history in the United States as well as Japan. That's awesome. Yeah, because is he? Because I've heard the name before and I, I know, you know facially who he is, but is he mainly known for his zero one stuff? Would you say? I I, I, I imagine so. Now I'm no uh, Japanese wrestling pundit, so mm-hmm. um, but I I think that is true, and and this is definitely the zero one show i wonder i think so zero one was only a more late like a later promotion though like in the 2000s or the late 90s i think mm-hmm. uh where they came to prominence I, i'm not sure if otani was around with in the 90s with all japan right um, or maybe new japan i'm trying to think who wcw had their relationship with in the 90s maybe it was new japan i think it was new japan that they had a relationship yeah. with so that sounds about yeah. right yeah so i think i think maybe he made his name maybe in new japan if i'm yeah, if I'm remembering that correctly. And then we have uh, we have Tanaka, who is known for uh, getting hit with steel chairs by Mike Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that, that's the team that we have here. Um, but uh, yeah, n- not not a lot really, you know, stuck out to me. I, it was a, a fun match. A lot of stiff kicks from everybody involved. Uh, crowd popped really hard for Otani's face face wash in the corner. Yeah, it's like the people's elbow of Ring of Honor. I think it's how they described it, but it was it was true. Um, yeah. Anything else I, that stick out in this match to you? I like that. Um, I like that Loki wore tights. Uh, yeah, why didn't he wear that, tights in his first match? Yeah, because he never drenched. He never wore tights in his ring of on a run for some reason. This is the first time that he wore them. Yeah, yeah, he'd always wear those black shorts. The I'm sure that is Nike basketball shorts. Um, yeah. And for, but obviously he's like, oh, this is a, this is a zero one showcase, so I'll put on the zero one tights. Um, yeah. Which I thought was cool. I was just like, oh, you know, that's that's just a nice little wrinkle in the storytelling. It's almost like you said, it's almost like a post-show dark match. It's it just shows it's different. And then you know, Carino had tights on as well because you know, if when we think of Carino in ECW and stuff, he was kind of known for wearing jeans and a t-shirt in his matches and stuff. Yeah. Um, Tanaka known for being a hardcore guy. It was almost like, hey, um, we're gonna work a, a wrestling match here. Um, yeah. and it's, this is, it was something different. It wasn't about feuds. It was, it was just a wrestling match, athletic competition. We're all wearing tights. It was about respect. Yeah, exactly. Cause you have Carino, who's one of the biggest heels at this point. And you have Loki, who's one of the biggest baby faces, but they're teaming and there's no really like, I don't think there's any point where there's any like, uh, tension between them. I mean, the finish comes that there is miscommunication that causes the finish. So key will go for the, uh, a springboard kick off the second rope, but Tanaka ducks and Key accidentally hits Carino. Uh, then Tanaka hits Low Key with a brutal lariat, and Otani picks up Carino with a. Uh, oh no, sorry. Otani hits Carino with a springboard drop kick, followed by a beautiful looking spiral powerbomb, I think it was called. 
uh, and that gets him the win. So the, uh, the Tanaka and Otani get the win here in the main event. Yeah. And everyone goes home happy, right? I suppose so. Yeah, a little feel yeah. good. I think, like you say, there's there's not a lot of analysis to it. It was just an, just an okay little tag match and a chance to see Tanaka from ECW fame and Otani in the States, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that it must have been a big deal, like, for that fan group at that time. I didn't know anything about Japanese wrestling then, but, you know, I'm sure it would be, I'm sure it would be like now if um, Shingo or something came over to and and worked, uh, imagine like a, a GCW show, you know, whoever yeah, the biggest yeah. indie is in, in, the, in America at the moment, PWG, yeah. whatever. And Ring of Honor, even so in recent like, years, they've brought over like Okada and Tanahashi to yeah. Ring of Honor. It always, it still feels like a big deal. So I think it's a similar deal, just a, an earlier iteration of uh, that Japanese because it's it's a, obviously a lot of crossover between people who watch Ring of Honor and people who watch Japanese wrestling. So it's this cool, like, like we mentioned before, it's guys from all over the world in one place. And I think that was the appeal of Ring of Honor and it seems like what they showed off here in the main event. Definitely. But Definitely. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're like, I need at least one stabbing before I could I could be finished <laughs> watching this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, Good, don't worry, because Homicide's here for you. So after this match is over, they cut backstage. Uh, the Hit Squad is walking around backstage. They they stumble upon Homicide sharpening sharpening a blade. Um, he's yeah. still pissed off about Carino and their little yeah. miscommunication. Um, you know what it is? What's it's up? a fork. Oh, was it a fork? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't really... Uh, I, I think I missed it, but that, that sounds yeah. right, actually. He, so he tapes... It's it's taped up except and he's sharpening the whatever the trident the prongs of the fork, mm. um, and later on, I don't think this is an inappropriate term, but he calls it a ghetto fork. A ghetto fork. Yeah. Is that I don't that, know maybe that maybe that's what they call it in the streets. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure, but yeah. Anyway, that's that's yeah that's what he was using. Okay. Well, that that makes it seem pretty menacing actually. So he uh, takes this fork. And uh, goes and finds Steve Carino, and uh, who happens to be like in the next room, and uh, stabs him in the head. And then the show is over. Yeah. So thoughts on <laughs> so it's, I, it's yeah, it's fine. Do you know what though? It it's silly, but Homicide versus Carino does end up being probably the hottest blood feud yeah. in the Ring of Honor. You know, they end it. They ended up you know going in a barbed wire match and stuff like that. Like they have every deathmatch style you can mm-hmm. have in the future so it it does have to be something quite violent to get it kicked off i guess um and i i'm trying to remember but i think the story is going to be that the fork got him in the ear or the eye or something i'm pretty sure it does like maybe the next show he comes out with like an, uh, an eye patch or something yeah i think this is going to be the story um but wait and see i can't remember exactly but i just I, I think back, this really brought back something that I loved about Ring of Honor. And like, even though a lot of the shows were just um, super shows of indie wrestlers and good matches, they always had something at the end to make you want to buy the next DVD or, yeah. or in my case, download it off whatever from back in the day. <laughs> U-Torrent. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. LimeWire. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it always just, it left you wanting to watch the next one. Yeah. You know? It it was it it wasn't car crash TV like Vince Russo, but they always had something at the end. Right. 
So I've always enjoyed that aspect of Ring of Honor, you know? Yeah, for sure. They did that very well. Uh, but that brings the show to a close. So, um, yeah, All-Star Extravaganza 2002. I, as a whole, I think I really enjoyed this show. You you said that you've seen all the shows in chronological order. Mm-hmm. How? Where do you think this one would would sort of rank? I mean, I don't want to put the pressure on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. They, they kind of blur together. Um, the one show, Honor Invades Boston, that I brought up earlier, that was the one show that wasn't in the Murphy Rec Center. So that stands out because that had that uh, that Mark versus Jay Briscoe match. That also had the low-key versus AJ match. That was really great. And he had like the, you know, the scramble match kind of stuff in the beginning. That might be my favorite show I've seen thus far. But this one, I probably it'd probably be two or three, I think, just because yeah. there wasn't a lot of uh, dead dead air other than the women's match. But like that was short, short enough. Um, but I really like the gaunt- the gauntlet. You know, we talked about the gauntlet concept, but a lot of the matches included within that gauntlet were great. Great seeing Tommy Dreamer uh, loved Dragon versus AJ. Uh, love the six man. I didn't even expect to love it as much as I did, but I loved it. So overall, uh, yeah, I'd put this probably two or three as far as what I've seen so far. Yeah, I I, I thought it was a really good show. I actually, I I probably thought that this was about as good as the first year of Ring of Honor got. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, thinking about the roster. It's funny, like if you if you put this like just broke these matches down. It could easily still be a pay per view card today. Yeah, you know, AJ Styles versus American Dragon in a main event, and then you know, like um, the even the dream tag match at the end. I mean, Tanaka still wrestles. I don't think Otana does, but you know, like mm-hmm. that could that could still be a main event today. Um, Paul London versus Amazing Red. I could definitely see that main eventing an indie show, but right. it will also be I could see that on AEW for sure. Yeah. You know, so it just it's just such a stacked roster. Like, I mean, I, I I just would encourage anyone that can get their hands on these shows to go back and see where these stars were born. You know, because mm-hmm. it, it is it's it just gives you another perspective on these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing guys like Samoa Joe at his best and young AJ, yeah. young Brian. We're not we don't even have like Chris Hero yet or you know Steen, yeah. Generica, all these guys. It's like they're yeah. still building Seth and Rollins. yeah. And uh, but they're definitely getting a buzz at this point. Um, but yeah, that brings it to a close. Uh, once again, man, thank you for making the time to watch the show, uh, to come on and talk some wrestling, 2002 indie wrestling with me. Um, Mate, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, like, um, it's been it's been a pleasure, and absolutely anytime you you want to do it again, man, let us know, and and uh, we'll we'll have you on our show one day. Absolutely. Yeah. Wrestling should be fun. Uh, where can everybody find you guys and listen to you guys? Yeah. Uh, anywhere you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, if you type in wrestling should be fun, uh, you'll find us uh, also on Twitter, uh, capital W S B F U N and on Instagram wrestling should be fun. All one word. Um, I run the Instagram and that's why there are nowhere near as many followers as the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the podcast is the main thing we're trying to push at the moment. So yeah, g- uh, give us a look, download, don't listen, whatever. <laughs> just have it on. That's why I tell people, just, <laughs> just hit play and walk away and go do, do, do your dishes or something. <laughs> no, you guys do no, really no. have a great podcast. I had, uh, I think it was Ross and Matt, I believe, uh, for, yeah. uh, for a progress review a couple months ago. I'd love to have them on at some point again, too. You, got, you guys are all great. Always welcome. Yeah. Always welcome back. Oh, cheers, man. Once again, thank you to Dom from the Wrestling Should Be Fun 
podcast for joining me on this episode. A rootin' tootin' good time. Loved, loved covering the show with Dom. Definitely have him and the other lads from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Go check them out. Definitely want to have them on again. All their info in the description <laughs> below. Uh, fuck, why did I say it like that? I'm going to leave it in. Um, but yeah, if you enjoy these Ring of Honor reviews, as I do, apronbump.com. Go to the Episodes tab. Select ROH, and it'll bring you to all of the Ring of Honor shows up to this point that I have reviewed. Low-key, some of my favorite shows to review. It's just such an interesting... It's interesting to to, to witness the building blocks get uh, built, I guess. I don't know. I don't know anything about construction. But, um, yeah, so go check that out as well as all of my episodes from all my different timelines that I have going on. Check out my YouTube as well for the video version of this episode and all my episodes. Um, Some YouTube-specific content on there as well. If you're not subscribed to me on YouTube right now, well, then I'm going to come over there and give you a little kiss on the cheek until you do. So, Um, But other than that, have a, a blessed day. Thank you guys once again for listening. I'm hard.